Well, good morning, church, and happy new year. As we get started, I want to uh, thank you for, in 2023, giving generously uh, to the Lighting Moon Christmas offering. Uh, we had, the, or the mission team had set a goal of, of 23000 and uh, you guys gave 52000 and change. Actually, maybe more than that. I think there may be a, a few more checks coming in. So thank you very much for your generosity. And, and uh, we'll follow Chris's lead here. This is, the, this is a cooperative effort with Southern Baptist churches around our country in supporting the work of the International Mission Board in taking the gospel and planting churches among unreached people groups. And it's also the means for support for three families that we've sent out, the, the Douglases, the Tidwells, and the Hamiltons. Um, my, uh, we have my sister Julie with us this morning, her, her husband. Um, uh, my brother Thomas is out uh, in the Atlantic Ocean right now with his brothers rowing across. They just crossed last night the 2,000-mile the threshold, so 1,000 miles to go. And uh, so we're, we're praying them across. They're doing a great job in terms of the real objective, which is brotherhood together. They're loving each other all the more. I got to talk to uh, Trent a couple days ago. And, uh, and so um, we're, our hearts are with them. Um, last year, last November, we started a, a small group in the church of folks who are really praying about missions with their own futures in mind. And so we're, we're meeting just probably quarterly or so, looking forward in a couple weeks to gathering together. And we're going through a book that the IMB put out a couple years called, ago called Foundations. And I was just reviewing this this week uh, in terms of some of the definitions uh, regarding discipleship. And I just had to share them with you this morning because these are really good. I don't have time to read all of it, but I just want to read to you um, a, a little bit about what disciples are. And I hope this, as we look into the, the dawn of 2024, I hope this encourages your heart to, to be a disciple of Jesus and to help make disciples of Jesus. So what are our disciples? Someone asked me that after the service last week. What is a disciple? How do you define that? And, and here it is. Disciples are followers of Jesus. They have turned from their sin and trusted in Jesus as their Savior. They have died to themselves and surrendered their lives to Him as Lord. Christ now lives in them, transforming everything about them from the inside out. There are six primary marks of a disciple of Jesus. The first is a transformed heart. Disciples are spiritually regenerate. God has forgiven their sin, and God's Spirit now indwells in them. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, they grow in holiness as God gradually transforms them into, image, into the image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. Well, disciples also have transformed minds. That's the second mark of a disciple. Disciples are biblically grounded. They believe what Jesus says. Disciples of Jesus trust the truth of Jesus and view the world around them through the lens of God's Word. As disciples abide in Jesus, reading, hearing, studying, understanding, memorizing, and meditating on God's Word daily, He molds their minds to become like His. The bottom of line is that disciples of Jesus are passionate about the Bible. It completely reshapes the way they think as the worldview of the Bible becomes their worldview. Their approach, or they approach the Bible with a pre-commitment to believe, understand, and obey everything it teaches. They learn the big picture of the Bible 
and they interpret individual parts in the context of the whole. So disciples of Jesus have transformed hearts, transformed minds, but also transformed affections. Disciples are deeply satisfied. They desire what Jesus desires. Their spiritual pursuit has led them to Jesus, who has not only saved them from their sin, but also satisfied their souls. Disciples, therefore, grow to participate in spiritual disciplines, not out of a sense of duty, but out of a sense of delight, enjoying the exaltation of God in worship, craving communion with God in prayer, hungering for God's word more than daily food, confessing sins with grateful contrition, and loving God's glory more than their own lives. Such love for God continually pushes out love for the things of this world. Disciples continually, daily crucify the desires of the flesh as they bear the fruit of the Spirit and long for the return of the Son. Well, disciples also have transformed wills. That's the fourth mark of a disciple. Disciples are humbly obedient. They do what Jesus commands. Disciples see imperatives in the scriptures as invitations from the Savior to experience the joy of active submission to him. They do not obey in order to make themselves right with God or to add anything to the work of Christ, but out of the faith, hope, and love that flow from the gospel. Well, disciples have transformed relationships, and we're going to think about that this morning. That's the fifth mark of a disciple. Transformed relationships. Disciples love sacrificially. They serve as Jesus serves. Having been reconciled to God through Christ, disciples continually work towards reconciliation with others in Christ. Forget it, forgiving one another freely and serving one another selflessly. Disciples of Jesus join together as members of local churches where they love one another by laying down their lives for each other. Such sacrificial compassion extends beyond the local church as disciples care for their families, the global church, the lost, and the poor. Well, the fifth mark of, uh, or the sixth mark of a disciple is a transformed purpose. Disciples are missionally engaged. They make disciples who make disciples of all nations. Compelled by God's grace, disciples are captivated by the Great Commission. Jesus has not only transformed their way of life, he has revolutionized their reason for living. Disciples live and die to share the gospel of Christ, to reproduce the life of Christ, to teach the word of Christ, and to serve the world for Christ by praying for, giving to, and going to people around them and peoples around the world for the sake of God's fame. Well, I just got to say amen. I hope that encourages you. That's what disciples are. That's what we want to be. That's our target, right? We want to be that. And, and I, I think you will see, and I hope you will see this morning, that, that church membership done biblically helps empower discipleship of Jesus Christ. It helps build disciples of Christ because none of us were meant to walk this road, the road of the cross, individually by ourselves. We need one another. And so membership matters. And so this morning, we're going to take a closer look at what church membership can look like. First, we're going to look at membership in the life of the early church, and then we're going to look at membership in the life of our church. So we have just two points this morning. 
But the first is membership in the life of the early church. And so we're going to focus on what did that early apostolic church look like as we walk through the verses that Pastor Bart read to us this morning. And, and I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to help myself. I'm going to have to make a few comments that apply to us. But, but then we're going to look at, okay, let's kind of do a, a look at 2023 in review and what does membership look like and what do we want to see it look like in the life of Rocky Bayou Baptist Church. So let's look again at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And we, we read here in this amazing verse, so those who received his word were baptized. And, and here we see believers' baptism. The Holy Spirit had baptized their heart at the moment of first faith when he breathed new life into their souls, when he regenerated them, right? And they followed quickly by being baptized um, uh, outwardly as believers and followers of Jesus Christ telling the world, we belong to Jesus. And that's why we as a, as a New Testament church participate and follow believers' baptism. That is, you are testifying to God's saving work in your life experience when you follow Jesus Christ by being baptized. And there were added to that day about 3,000 souls, 3,000 members. So this was a a good day. This was huge growth, right? This was explosive growth. A church of about, we believe it was 120, that then suddenly in one day became a church of 3,120, give or take, because it says about 3,000, right? So let's think about what happened here. What's going on here? Um, Let's think about the background. Well, if you go back to verse 1 of chapter 2 of Acts, here's what we read happened. The Holy Spirit poured out on this group of 120 believers. And so we read, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Now, we, we got to go back here to the Old Testament. And, and we got to remember how God revealed in a, in a visible way his presence with his people, and it was through a cloud of fire, right? And it led them by day as a cloud of smoke and at night as a cloud of fire. And what would it have been like to be this, this big band of nomads wandering through the wilderness with enemies all around looking up and seeing the very presence of Yahweh covering you, protecting you, fighting for you, leading you, guiding you? That's what they saw. And then he would rest. He would come in and, and dwell in the Holy of Holies. But as you'll remember, you couldn't go near there. So he was in the camp, but you could not approach. You could not enter the Holy of Holies lest you be, be, be killed because of God's holiness. And you were not. And so God was in the camp. He was in your midst. And yet there was a separation. And as we considered last week, when Jesus said, it is finished, God himself tore that veil. And he gave us access to himself because of the work of our high priest Jesus, right? But here, and so Jesus in his ministry had had told his disciples, it is better for you for me to go away because the helper is coming. And now he arrives, God himself, as it were, the great pillar of fire now divides up into all these tongues of fire that rests on each individual Christian. That's what's going on here at Pentecost. And we read, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, and we see in the context 
languages, like legit languages that other people understood, and it was a miracle because they were hearing languages that there's no way these people could have spoken. God was speaking to them miraculously through this gift of tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the point here is that we see in the New Testament God's presence in the life, in the soul, in the heart of every believer. Now, do you want more of that in your life when you look at 2024? I hope you do. I hope you want more of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you get that, right? I mean, we, 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 we read as we understand the Bible that the Holy Spirit's presence is, is truly permanent in the life of a Christian, and yet can we quench the Spirit? Well, according to the Bible, yes, we can, through our sin, through our negligence of Him. So if you want more of the Holy Spirit, let me encourage you to resolve to this year to read your Bible, to, to spend more time in, in prayer, in de, uh, uh, dependence, dependent prayer, and to confess your sins. You know, some people just kind of want the Spirit to lead them independently from the Bible. But the, what the Bible does is he, he ins, God, God's Spirit inspired the writers. The Holy Spirit illumines and speaks through His Word into your heart and will give guidance for your life today, but it's through His Word. So, so what that means is, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, right, it, it's not this that you need. It's, it's this, and it's this. Does that make sense? Well, the crowd noticed, right, all these people speaking in tongues, um, and some of them were awestruck, indeed, but others jeered. And so this was, this was Peter's finest hour, right? This is the guy who often found his foot in his mouth, but he stands up before the crowd and he gives a sermon with spirit power. And, and you've got to notice his boldness. And we don't have time to walk through his entire sermon because we want to focus more on the life of the early church, but pick up with me his words in verse 36. He says to them, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, that is Jesus, both Lord and, this, and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Boldness. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. It's conviction of the Spirit. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children. That would be for the Jews. And for all who are far off. That would be us, right? The Gentiles, the nations, every people group on earth. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And so we see that 3,000 people repented, believed in Jesus, were baptized, and joined the church. You could say it was a good day in the life of the Jerusalem church. So what did that early church look like? Right? What, what are these members of the first church do each week? How do they interact with each other? Well, we see this summarized in verse 42, which is just, this is our key verse this week, um, and is just an amazing uh, summary here. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So in this one verse, we see the Word. We, we, we have the apostles' teaching God has given us in this book. And, and you know, again, um, it would have been easy maybe for the apostles to say, hey, we got the Holy Spirit. We're going to utter whatever we feel like. No, they actually were teaching the Word. And you see the apostle Paul filled with the Spirit. What did he do? What did he exhort his, his followers like Timothy to do? Preach the Word. And so God has given us the apostles' teaching right here. And that, that would be the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And so we make no apology about making the gospel and the, and the teaching of the Word central to what we do at Rocky Bay Baptist Church, um, both here on Sunday mornings in our service, but also in our adult Bible fellowships, in our Bible studies. This, this book is worth studying and delighting in because this is God's self-disclosure to us. This is what He wanted us to know and to believe and, and to follow. So we believe in the centrality of the Word of God, not the centrality of the preacher. And I just want to say that humbly. Uh, sometimes evangelical churches get a little bit of criticism for putting a pulpit in the middle of the room and, and saying, hey, you guys think a little too much of yourselves, particularly your pastor, right, standing up here in the middle. Uh, you can go to old Anglican churches, Catholic churches, and often what you'll see is a pulpit off to the side, right, and the sacraments in the middle. But what, what we, we want to make clear is it's not the messenger. I'm a sinner, right? It's the message. And so we should be awestruck when we hear the Word of God read. This is God's disclosure, His self-disclosure to you. And so they devoted themselves to this. And they also devoted themselves to fellowship. Now this word fellowship is rich. The Greek word is koinonia. And, and it literally means participation. Or you could say the sharing of life. That, that's more than just a, um, a surface level conversation, right? It's more than just coming and, and, and sitting through a service and leaving. Uh, it's about sharing life together. And it included here in this church the sharing of material goods. And we'll look at that in a minute. But it also, we read, included the breaking of bread. That would be communion for sure the Lord's Supper, but it, I think it goes beyond just maybe taking a wafer and a, a, you know, a little drink, drink of, of juice. The idea here, that these disciples were having communion as a meal, as they prayed for one another, as they got to know one another and enjoyed sharing life together in their homes, we read. But it also included prayers. Now, a, a strong, healthy church is a praying church. We long to be a praying church. I do believe this is an area where we can grow uh, to be a praying church, whether it's a, a prayer meeting together or whether it's talking to someone the moment they bring up a need, just stopping and, and praying for them. I heard a story right as, the, right as the service was beginning of Robbie doing that last week, having someone sharing with him a need and him immediately saying, hey, may I pray for you right now? That's what we want to be, right? Immediate prayers, whether you're here, whether you're Standing in the, in the aisle at Walmart, right, or Publix, um, uh, a church full of prayer. Pastor Tony Marita wrote, the early church had few earthly resources, but that didn't keep them from shaking the world for Christ because they had heavenly resources. The, the, these they experienced through dependent prayer. Remember that. 
We're talking to the Almighty God. And so when we pray, let's make sure that's whom we're talking to and not trying to impress somebody else, right, by verbiage. Um, That's meaningless. We're talking to the Almighty God. Uh, Dependent prayer is what we're shooting for. And verse 43 says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, now we need to remember that these miracles that God gave them in that time, the ability to do, did not distract from the message. It did not distract from the Word of God. It gave credibility to the Word of God. It gave credibility to their teaching. And it all pointed to the Word of God. And so these were people, when they gathered together, they wanted to be there. Right? It wasn't just because, well, shoot, man, I'd rather sleep in, but this is the right thing to do. You couldn't keep them away because they were in awe. These were not bored people. Kids, I get it, right? Uh, listening to, in the, in the day of social media and all the movies out there, right, and all the ADD that we all got because of it all, you got to sit here and listen to a guy speak for 40 minutes, sometimes 45 minutes, all right, that's a long time to sit there and listen to a homo sapien stand there and speak with no, with very few interesting visuals. Now and then we pop something up there, right? I get it. But you know what? Um, awe struck these people. They were not bored people. Why? They were beholding the power of God. And, and I pray this will be you and your heart, that you will be awed not by any kind of rhetorical ability I have, because I think you could find far better online, okay? But because I'm seeking to simply speak to you the Word of God. And so faith that God is speaking to us today through His Word, that is awesome. And I'll tell you, maybe we wish we, maybe you think, man, I wish I had, I mean, I'd be all in if I had all the flashbang miracles in front of me that these uh, first century Christians had. But I tell you what, I am awed today when I see faith of brothers and sisters in hard times. Um, I've seen some things in my life, some, some pretty amazing things. I've seen some things that we would have to categorize as miraculous. But I'll tell you what encourages me today more than any of those memories is watching the faith of brothers like Sam Benedetto um, walk in faith through the loss of his bride this week. I'm telling you, faith is contagious. And when the rubber meets the road and you see God's people walking in faith, it is awesome because we see the power of his spirit. Now, ladies, you may be thinking, maybe there's a young lady in the room right now who had a bad experience recently with a boy. And I get that. A lot of young men are knuckleheads. Okay, I get it. Uh, I was a knucklehead when I was a young man too, okay? Um, you may be thinking, and you may not even be a young lady, you may be thinking there are no good men in this world. Well, I want to tell you there are a lot of knuckleheads in this world, but there are a few good men, right? So young ladies, here's what you need to look for, right? Uh, instead of a, the, the young guy at the gym with his smile and his muscles and his, you know, gallon water jug, right? Um, <laughs> You need to find a man who loves Jesus. A man who will love you to the end. Guys, a man like a Rick Kuka, right? 
or Dan San Benedetto walking with their wives through years of dementia or, or cancer, fulfilling that vow, being able to say, no regrets. That's what you need to find. And you know what? The, the place you're going to find it is, is a man, you're gonna, a man who, who really loves Jesus. It's going to be a man who's committed, who's, a, who's a committed to his church family, a man who will love you to the end. And you know what? You might be a young man here, and you're tempted because there's some fine-looking young woman right out there who's, who's kind of luring you in. Well, what you need is a, a faithful daughter of the king who loves Jesus, who loves Jesus and is committed to Jesus. Because the only way she's going to be faithful to you and, and going to follow your spiritual leadership, okay, because frankly, she's probably smarter and maybe more spiritual than you are. The reason is because she loves Jesus and so she's going to do the right thing. Is that right, husbands and wives? Right? Are, are we dudes always uh, deserving of, of being followed spiritually? No. But if, 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 if our wives love Jesus, they're going to they're gonna want us to lead spiritually. And so there are some good women like this, like, like Sue Enright, right, who, who loved Jesus and so she loved Bob to the end. And, and we grieve with you, Sue and, and Dan and, and Rick, but we are proud of you. And, and, and you have an important role to play in, frankly, mentoring us. Because you did it. You did it right. You know, Sue, you took care of, of Bob. And I'm sure that, that as dementia um, um, affected his personality and his ability to remember things, I'm sure that wasn't always easy, right, to take care of somebody who doesn't really appreciate all that you're doing or even re- recognize all that you're doing. And yet you were faithful. And so I praise God for your example and, and, and Dan's example and, and Rick's example. And this is how we as a church are to encourage one another. I'm, I'm awed by it when I look at it, and I pray God will help me to fulfill my vows the way you guys have done yours. Well, verse 44 and 45 talk about the attitude this church had, the fellowship for one another, such that we read, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, some see this verse uh, or these verses and they think communism. And, uh, you know, as Americans here in Niceville, Florida, that's not a popular word. Um, but I would just say this was not communism. This was voluntary giving. It wasn't compelled by any government. And you'll also notice in verse 46 that, that they had not literally gotten rid of all property. They still own homes, and I would presume home goods and furnishings, because they met in each other's homes. They used their goods and their homes for hospitality's sake. So the Bible doesn't prohibit property ownership, but what we see here is that their care for each other trumped their care for their personal possessions. Whatever they had was for the good of the, of, 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 of the, of the, of the church, they had this heart for one another that was more important than their stuff. And man, I hope and pray that can be true of us because I don't know if there's Christians uh, of, of any time in history or place that frankly have been more blessed than us. And so our possessions are a gift from the Lord. Let's use them for his glory and for the good of the church. They took care of each other's personal needs. And in verse 46, we read, and day by day, attending the temple together 
and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. There's something about godliness with contentment, bringing great gain, just being thankful for everything he gives you, uh, a simple life. But what we see here is that they were together, gathering together, both corporately in a great assembly in the temple for worship. And I'm not sure exactly what that looked like. 3,000 people all of a sudden uh, coming to Solomon's temple, which had been rebuilt by Herod, right? Probably out in one of the big courts, gathering together, having a service um, in public. That was incredible, in this huge gathering. But also they spent much time in fellowship in homes with one another. And so we see the assembly, which is what the word church means, assembly, coming together. But we see that it was also not just showing up for a service and never seeing each other again during the week. It was meeting in homes regularly, eating food together with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47 says, they were praising God. It's been said that a mark of revival is the desire to worship God with other Christians. And I can tell you from personal experience, working in parts of Central Asia where there were very few Christians, like very, very few Christians, and there, there's, a, there, there's a high persecution index, just the idea of being able to walk into a room this size and, and worship Jesus with 400 other Christians would just be the most amazing thing ever. I, I remember visiting the, the first, one of the, one, I think it was the largest service to date of Afghans that the world had ever known in Stockholm, Sweden, back in, I think it was 2011. And there's about 80 Afghan believers who got together in a, in, a, in a Lutheran church in Stockholm, and you should have seen the tears. They had never been able to worship Jesus in public, and they had traveled from multiple places and countries to do this. Just to be able to worship Jesus in a room, they weren't arguing about worship style. They were excited about worshiping the true God, worshiping Jesus, being full of His Spirit. So I just want to encourage you, don't cheat yourself by not showing up when you can. We, we have folks who, who watch every week online because they can't. Their hearts are here, but they can't be here. But if you can, don't cheat yourself by, by not coming and being a part of the assembly worshiping or by showing up late week after week and, and missing out on some of the worship. We don't just gather to come and hear a message. We gather to come and worship the living God. So they praised God and they had favor. Verse 47b says, having favor with all the people. Now, now, certainly we know that soon after this point in time, persecution began of the church. We read about this in Acts. We read about this in books like Fox's Book of Martyrs uh, throughout church history. But at the same time, concurrently, even as governments and religious leaders were trying to stamp out Christianity, it was catching on like wildfire. And in about A.D. 125, which would be somewhere between maybe 50 to 60, maybe 70 years after the book of Acts is written by Dr. Luke, there was a guy named Aristides who wrote a letter to Emperor Hadrian explaining some of the reasons for the explosive spread of Christianity in the Roman Empire. And here's a little bit of what he wrote. They do not worship strange gods, and they go their way in all modesty and cheerfulness. Falsehood is not found among them, and they love one another. And from widows they do not turn away their esteem, and they deliver the orphan from him who treats him harshly. And he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. 
And when they see a stranger, they take him into their homes and rejoice over him as a very brother, for they do not call them brethren after the flesh, but brethren after the spirit and in God. And if there's among them any that are poor or needy, and if they have no spare food, they fast two or three days in order to supply the needy their lack of food. This is what the world saw. Jesus said, the world will know that this is the real deal by your love for one another. And that's what the church looked like. And we see here at the end of verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now here we see it's God's work. The saving is God's sovereign work. So what should be our emphasis? Faithfulness. You know, God was saving day by day, people. Why? It wasn't just a vacuum because the church was out there in word and in deed proclaiming the gospel, pointing people to Jesus. They were being faithful witnesses and the Lord added to their number through conversions. Now there's a lot of wonderful things that God is doing among us. But as we look forward to this next year, throughout 2024, I'm praying for many souls saved. We met as elders before the before the service began, before Sunday school began in ABFs, and we prayed for that, for salvations through our church's ministry here in Niceville and around the world. So let's think about, and this is the second point of our message this morning, membership in the life of Rocky Bayou Baptist Church. And I think it's appropriate for us to visit Again, our vision and our mission, and our vision is very simple. It's printed right in the front of your, of your worship guide, and it is we exist to know him and to make him known. That's the next slide. We exist to know him and to make him known. And, and we can't make him known. We can't give away what you don't have if we're not knowing him. But if you're, if you're beholding the glory of Jesus, it's got to come out, right, from the inside. And so how do we do this? How, how does this vision that we want to be, people who really know him and, and really make him known, how does that actually happen? Well, our mission statement is that we are a community of Christ-exalting disciples on mission to worship him and make him known to others. We strive to grow together in faith and in the knowledge of God as he has revealed himself through his word to connect people with the body of Christ in discipleship relationships and to share the gospel in our community and around the, wor- the world. Now, now notice in our mission statement that word community. Membership matters. When you join the church, it's not a social club, but it's a community of faith in which we are to be members, not just of an institution, but members of one another, of a, of a body, of an organism. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. He that much, in a short life, appreciated the community of the body, the koinonia, the fellowship. And that's what we looked at last week, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the the first part is just showing up, right? You, You can't do this without being a part, 
being there. Um, but it goes beyond that. It's not just showing up and leaving, but encouraging. You know, that word we talked about last week means to give courage to someone else. I can't believe for you. We can't create faith in each other's hearts, but what we can do is stoke those flames. We can, we can be there for one another. We can remind each other of truth. We can encourage one another. And so as elders, we desire for every member of Rocky Bay Baptist Church to truly be involved in fellowship with one another. Our, 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 if you go through our new members class, or our, disciple, uh, our Discover Rocky class, um, we write that our heartbeat is our gathered worship and adult Bible fellowships. Members need to regularly attend our worship gatherings. This is the expectation of every member. And this is something that you commit to when you join the church. You pledge, you, you actually um, state, you know, this is my honor, my word, I'm gonna show up. And, and what is it that we prioritize most? Well, it's the gathered worship time. Okay, it's, it's the service that we're in right now together. Being together to hear God's word, to praise God together, to fellowship with one another. But you can show up at a service, right, and leave a service and not really enter into the fellowship if you're not intentional, particularly in our culture today. If you're in a house church situation uh, in Central Asia, well, you know what? Fellowship goes with the worship. But in America, the way we do things, where you you show up at a certain time and you know about when it's going to be over, it's easy to show up, leave, and, and really not have fellowship. And so that's why we have other aspects to our gathering, which, which is um, uh, one, of the, one of the things is the adult Bible fellowship time and the Sunday school time at nine o'clock. And so um, we want every member to regularly participate in an adult Bible fellowship. This is the strong desire of our elders, right? Uh, if we don't see you at a gathering and, and you're a member, okay, and, and suddenly we don't see you for three months, it's on us as a church, somebody to call you up, to, to say, are you okay? What's going on, right? Uh, that's, that's, the fir- that's, the, that's, the, that's the first commitment we make. But it is also a strong desire. Uh, it's not a requirement, but it's a strong desire for folks to participate in adult Bible fellowships. And the, and the reason for that is we want to study God's Word, but in a context that promotes more fellowship than the worship service, where you can sit at a table with folks, where you can uh, talk with folks, you can pray together, you can try to apply God's word to your life in conversation, and the idea is for that to carry on beyond just several hours on a Sunday morning, but throughout the week and, and in your homes. And so our desire as well is that every member of Rocky would find some small group setting to be a member, to, to be a part of. And so there are a number of different opportunities there. One would be life groups and over half of our church are involved in life groups and we're excited about that. And we wanna see more life groups born and flourish. We, we're excited when we hear about life groups splitting, not because you're mad at each other, but because you're growing beyond how many people can fit in your house, right? That's an opportunity for growth. And, and we're seeing some of that, uh, that excites us. But there's other opportunities like quads, there's a, a group of, of small groups of three or four that meet at different times throughout the week. Uh, being a part of something like that or a Bible study, like Faithful Men on Tuesday mornings or, or the women's uh, Bible studies. One of, them, uh, one of those meets on, on Wednesday nights to help facilitate child care. But being together in fellowship and watch care are an important part of who we want to be. Now, our Constitution actually talks about watch care. It says, watch care is our ministry to fellow believers. 
God is glorified when we demonstrate our love for one another through mutual ministry one to another. These ministries include teaching, discipling, encouraging, serving, extending mercy, comforting, praying for one another. Well, watch care is not simply for church leaders. Our job as church leaders is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so that means evangelism, discipleship, counseling, watch care. And this means that, that we need you, each of you, to not just show up and leave. We need you to be a minister among us. God has given each of you gifts that will bless our entire body because we are indeed a spiritual family. We're called to be one body with many members. Now, I thought it'd be helpful to, to uh, briefly kind of walk through what are some of our relational values. And I would love to expound on each of these, but because of time, um, I'm just gonna kind of walk through them. You'll find these on the back of your, back of your worship guide. But we want to be, we want to have an environment of grace and forgiveness. We are convinced of God's sovereignty and holiness. And so we understand that nothing good happens in our ministry apart from his grace, which is his unmerited favor towards us. Consequently, our ministry together must be characterized by the same grace in our response to one another. We believe in the significance of humble servanthood. Our ministry is built upon the assumption that there's no task or responsibility beneath any of us. So we should undertake every ministry with humility, grateful for the privilege of serving Christ and his body. We want to emphasize faithfulness in our service towards God, allowing God to determine the level of fruitfulness that we are to enjoy. We want to consider others more important than ourselves, as we're admonished in Philippians 2, 3. We will view as significant the opinions and the contributions of others. This next one is very important uh, if we're to, to maintain unity, and that is we want to always assume godly intentions until proven otherwise. We will be slow to anger and slow to take offense by assuming the best intentions of every Rocky member. We want to be people of hospitality. We value being gracious and accommodating to one another. We want to have moldable hearts before the Lord and to Scripture. We want to be people who are vulnerable, being transparent with one another for our good and for our brother and sister's good. We want to be people of unity and peace, and we want to live carefully together in this world. Well, before we move into a time of communion, um, I want to just briefly look back at 2023 because we have a lot to be thankful for. We, we thank God, we praise God for increased membership. This last year, we, we saw 16 families and 14 individuals join our fellowship and, and, and covenant with us in membership. We, we saw 25 people profess their faith in Jesus Christ through baptisms, and we praise God for that. We want to thank you for your generosity in giving as well. We, we were able to uh, surpass last year's budget by um, $214,000 or 18.7%. And what that does is it gives us opportunity to be involved even more missionally as well as, as thinking about what are some needs down the road in the future that maybe we're not quite ready yet with, 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 with our budgets. So we're excited about that. 
We're excited that, that we, we did polling last year in December, as you remember, for 2024's budget, and we had a unanimous passing of, of that from, from our congregation's response. Um, and so we praise God for that. Um, in that budget, that budget, by the way, is, is slightly less than what we actually saw come in this last year, but we want to encourage you to please keep being generous with your giving because it gives us the opportunity to do more um, in terms of getting the gospel out there. Um, but we, we have a budget that was passed for 1321000 and change for this next year. Of that, 216000 goes to overseas missions, which, which helps support our 18 missionaries, that, that most of those we've sent out, and two other um, smaller organizations that we support, a seminary in, in Poland and the Global, Global Leadership uh, International in Central Asia. Um, we also have, it also, our budget also includes uh, a little over 19,000 for some local evangelism ministries that we're doing here. And on top of that, there's a lot of giving that you do through the church that's not reflected in the budget um, that goes to our benevolence ministries, that go to um, our missionaries um, and, and th- things like Lottie Moon, which specifically supports our IMB missionaries. So we thank you for that. We've seen this last year growing community outreach through our church's benevolence ministry. And a lot of folks may not know about that. I actually talked about it last year because our benevolence budget, which simply comes from kind of additional love offerings beyond the normal tithing offerings, had, had that budget had kind of hit the bottom of the barrel. Um, and so we talked about it. And by God's grace, now we've got a, a, a great healthy balance. This last year, we were able to assist 102 local households in our community with needs like rent and electric bills and, and other, other imminent needs that they have. And the way that works is we don't just write checks to people we don't know. We actually have these, these folks come in and they meet with various staff members each week. We sit down with them. We spend time with them. We hear their stories. Sometimes we, we cry with them. Um, I, I often read the Sermon on the Mount to people. Um, some of the most receptive people ever are people that I'm sitting with um, after they've kind of poured out their, their life and their heart. And, and we share the gospel with them and we pray with them. And so this is 102 households. Some of these folks we helped more than once this last year that we were able to touch through our benevolence ministry. And our deacons oversee this, but our staff members are the ones who actually get to uh, connect and, and touch. And this has been a, a highlight, I think, in our lives. The Heights Tutoring Ministry has, has been able to, to minister to 92 students and their families with 45 regular volunteers. And it, it gives me joy as a pastor to be able to say that we actually have more men show up to help tutor these young guys than women. And a lot of these young guys, some of them don't really have dads in their lives. And it's wonderful. And, and this year, we saw spiritual fruit in this ministry. So good job, church, for your service here. And, 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 and if you would, pray for this ministry to really expand to families. And we had several family dinners where our volunteers had meals with the kids' families, and these are always a highlight and much appreciated. Um, one of these kids this year, and this was kind of a landmark thing, made it into college and, and, and has kids here who are encouraging him uh, within our body. So we praise God for that. We praise God for our biblical counseling ministry. Um, Nate and Aurelia showed up here at our church eight or nine years ago with a dream not only to help us take a deeper dive into the world of biblical counseling, but to help, this, to help equip us to be a, 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 a church that really meets people's needs 
through God's word. And it's having quite an impact both inside and outside our church in the community. On the missions front, by God's grace, after a number of years of not being able to go visit our missionaries due to COVID, um, this year we were able to send a team to Zambia to, to encourage the, the work of, of TK and the Walkers with Heart of the Bride. And we were also able to send a youth ministry team up to Rhode Island to, 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 to encourage and work with Elizabeth and her team up there in their church plant. So that was very exciting. And I'm thankful for the work of the mission team and our life groups in faithfully holding the ropes for our missionaries. And a highlight every year is the missions fair. And, and Pam tells me that the kids were totally engaged and so excited to learn about the cultures of, of those to whom we send uh, workers. She tells me she wrote that, that hearing the prayers of the children for our missionaries and their families was just rich. Well, several families in our church celebrated adoptions, and we have a growing number of families who are involved in foster care. From, from the youth ministry team, we saw growth um, on Wednesday nights, and the team itself growing. But what's really exciting is that more kids, more students are making disciples and starting their own Bible study quads. Bill writes that we, we've had more older students understand the concept of church membership. Therefore, they have of their own volition attended and completed the Discover Rocky course. So fist bump to you, Ryan and, and Kai and Brooke. We're, 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 we're proud of you. Well, highlights of the children's ministries were the, the all-generation Sundays. When I first heard about that, I thought, ah, okay, we'll see. Actually, I look forward to those. I, I love those. When our kids get involved in the service, they help lead us in singing. They, they welcome people. They do all this stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to more of these uh, in 2024. Um, kids' worship camp was a big highlight. Many of you were involved in that, and that really ministered not only to our kids, but a number of kids in the community. Our Awana ministry grew to 143 children with 42 um, volunteers on Wednesday nights. Um, our men's and women's ministries were both able to have conferences this last year. And, and if you're a, a man and you haven't yet signed up for the men's retreat next month, um, actually in a couple weeks here at Camp Timpucci, highly recommend you sign up for that because it's all about fellowship and vulnerability and building relationships with one another so that we might better be spiritual leaders in this world. Our, our elders are talking with several men and, and praying with several men and, and seeking to, to help equip several men to potentially become new elders. We recognize that we need um, more hands. We, we, we need more, more, more people praying and ministering and, and shepherding the flock. And we're interviewing a, a number of, of you uh, to be potential deacons, and we're excited about that. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to announce a list of names very soon. So we've seen God work among us. We see God working among us. But how do we need to grow this year in 2024? Well, we want to grow in membership. Now, when I say that, I don't mean number, although we are happy when we have new people. In fact, we celebrate every new family that makes that commitment. But we want to grow in biblical love for one another because membership matters. We want every member of our church to be a minister here to one another. Now, maybe you're on the fence this morning, right? Maybe you've been attending for some time now. And you've thought, hey, I'm a, as we talked about last week, I'm a, I'm a member of the universal church, right? I believe in Jesus. Um, I'm a part of that group. Why do I need to join a local church? Well, we hope that you will come and join us, that you'll dip your oar in the water and row with us, okay? That's what we hope. 
Well, maybe you've been a member here for a long time and you've started to clam up, right? You're like, hey, I'm a member, um, but you're not really sharing with anybody about your hurts and your struggles and your needs. I, I pray, we pray that this year you will open up your heart to some sisters and some brothers because the road is too difficult to walk alone. You know, when you think about church membership, uh, in the verbiage of our culture, people talk about going to church. Well, I would say that's actually theologically inaccurate. It sounds like you're going to a meeting or to a building, right? You're not supposed to go to church. You're supposed to be the church. That's what we see when we look at Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. Let's be the church in 2024. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We're going to move into a time of prayer as we prepare our hearts to have communion together. And, and I would remind you that as we, as we move into communion, what we're doing here, what this is all about is koinonia at the spiritual level, fellowship with Jesus Christ himself and with our brothers and sisters in this room and in a spiritual sense throughout the world in every tribe, nation, and, and, and culture where, where disciples of Jesus are meeting today or have already met today, right? To, to, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we're having communion with them. So as I pray, I would like to invite our deacons and those who will help serve us to come forward. And we'll take a few moments after I pray just to prepare our hearts to enter into communion in a worthy manner. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, your word as written by your spirit through the apostle Paul says, not that I have already obtained or already imperfect, but I press on to make the gospel my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have already made it all my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Lord, we, we pray that that would be true for each of us. That your calling, that the calling to be a disciple and to make disciples would be uh, our own calling. Lord, I pray that we would be people who truly know Christ and make him known in 2024. Lord, I, I pray that here in our, in our little corner of the world, here at our uh, small church family, Rocky Bayou Baptist Church, Lord, I pray that we would love you deeply and that every member would be a minister to each other. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who doesn't yet know you, I pray that instead of going through emotion and taking communion, I pray that they would, would pause, that they would stop. Lord, that they would use this time to, to assess where they stand, that they would recognize that they are a sinner in, in need of Christ's salvation. And Lord, that your spirit would call them to genuine faith in Jesus Christ, that they would look to his work on the cross for them, that they would believe, and that they would be saved. 
Lord, we long to see more salvations this year. We pray from, from the young to the old, from those who are already meeting with us to those who, who live in our communities, to even those whom we send missionaries to. Lord, we pray that there would be much fruit, that you would add to our number greatly. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son whom we remember this morning, our Lord and our Savior and our hero, Jesus. I pray in his name, amen.